0: Welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me from his above-ground bunker, which is a nice change from when we join you from a below-ground bunker, Miss <laughs> Cheryl, the president of Mission <laughs> SA.
1: I actually am upstairs. I, I thought about setting up in the basement, but then I thought it would be sad to be all by myself.
0: Yeah, anytime you're all that you would describe yourself as all by myself in the basement is probably not great. <laughs> yeah. Also joining yeah. us, Director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer.
2: Oh, man. Sadness Bunker is my favorite emo <laughs> record. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> joining us all the way from Christ Community Church, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church here at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Lee Younger.
3: I'm going to be completely honest and say I got super excited because I've been in, in both the basement and the uh, the rooftop man cave of Glenn's house, and the rooftop Man cave is so cool and has his super secretive uh, serving others uh, guitar workshop in it, and uh, I just want to be there again.
1: Yeah, yeah that the 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 uh, the guitar skunk works is a is a powerful. Oh
0: man, that's so cool. Uh, so uh, I, I, again, there is so we're all dealing with the changes. We're recording the second time here as uh, we mentioned before. The state of Illinois is still on a statewide stay-at-home order. And that leads me to declare an expertise emergency.
2: Emergency! Because,
0: gentlemen, here's a real conversation I had with my beloved wife uh, on, I believe it was Friday, when someone, I believe it was, uh, Glenn's wife was checking out with her, asking, well, how are we all doing with quarantine? How, how are all the ladies doing? They had, like, a FaceTime call. And uh, I was I was asking, Janet, well, how how do you think you are doing quarantine? She said, I think I'm doing fine. And she looked at me and said, it's not that much of a change for you, is it? And here's the thing. True. And it hit me in waves how true that is and how hurtful the truth makes it. Because <laughs> uh Glenn, Jed, and myself all worked from home beforehand. So I feel like we have some expertise to offer the people who may be a little bit oh, new to this experience. Oh, yeah. Some quarantine top but, tips, you know, if I, you
1: will. Yeah, I think I, if I might jump Please. in on that. I think the main thing is just, and this is right off the top, no pants. There is (laughs) there is no reason for you to have pants on. Probably Jed could not count how many times he's you know sent me a text or a phone call and said, you know, hey, let's go get a hamburger, and I've said, okay, let me put my pants on. That's (laughs) that's a universal. That is true. Life looks different, and I have to say a whole lot better, and sort of a Garden of Eden kind of way, if you've
0: got no pants. <laughs> In most work environments, it's deeply problematic for your boss to share with you whether or not they're wearing pants. But again, that's part of the, the, the loose culture that we're trying to share with the people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, What else do we have? Because I think there's a lot of articles and stuff going on around now. People have never done this with like, I think you should, you should change into business casual when you get up and you should uh, keep a, a strong difference between, and uh, here's what we know is from, as you guys were from home, nobody's doing that. Right. Everybody's uh, got on their sweatpants. Yeah. Everybody is nesting in their, their home office situation. It's fine. You just got to
3: go for it, Lee. I'll tell you this, Matt. I found on Amazon one time because I'm one of those people that that has kind of naturally cold feet. Like I'm, I always feel like my feet are cold. Um, I, I found uh, a type of slipper or house shoe, if you will. It's made by a company called Baffin, and they're basically—and this is so exciting for me—they're basically tiny sleeping bags for your feet. Ah! Aha! They, they look like sleeping bags, they're shaped like sleeping bags, they're constructed like sleeping bags, they're like miniature, it's like if you were going to create a sleeping bag for a small woodland mammal, but it's just the perfect size for my feet, and when I'm working at home, the immediate thing is, I put on the, the feet sleeping bags. I had, one time we had some friends over, and a friend said to me, Lee, those are the ugliest shoes. I've ever seen in my life. And I said, nobody asked you. Yes. (laughs) That's right.
0: These are not the shoes for public consumption. These are the house shoes.
3: Yes, that's right. Well,
0: I think that's an important part of uh, it. It really speaks to the work at home ethos of how much of you has to wake up to do this. If your Uh feet can stay asleep in their sleep cocoons, then that's just efficiency is what that is.
3: Sleep cocoons. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know, one of
1: the things we're dealing with here in Illinois is we, we not
3: only have the lockdown,
1: but today we actually had quite a little bit of snow. Yes. Wow. So the, the, the cool thing about being on lockdown is you can go out and go for a walk. You you can, you know, go out and, and get it or poke around in your garden or what have you. But uh, currently, you know, everything's frozen, so you can't do any of that. So here's my top tip. Uh, take like a, uh, a like a baking pan, you know, like you would use to make cookies. Just go into the backyard, you know. You got to bundle up, of course, because it's so cold. But you just get some dirt uh, from the garden there, from the yard, and fill that, put that in the the, the cooking pan, the, the cookie sheet there, and then just bring that inside the house. And whenever you feel like you want to get back to nature. You take your shoes off, take off your 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 cocoons for your feet, and you just you just stand
0: in place on the dirt. And
1: you're right back to nature. Wow. Well,
0: that's that that really tip. is. I thought that I thought that uh top tip was going to be don't live in Illinois.
1: <laughs> I guess that would solve a lot of other problems.
0: It it certainly certainly would, but you know, I think the the thing for me is that you get a lot is that idea of you really have to separate your work time from your from your relaxation time and keep those walls up and i don't know anyone who's done that for more than i'm going to call it 3 hours. Yep. Right. And the, th- <laughs> the real trick is how much of the stuff you enjoy can you be doing while you're pretending to work. That that's oh, the yeah, whole thing. totally totally. Like in our in our uh, line of work the the beauty is anything can be sermon research. I went uh-huh. to the movie. You know, I, I I streamed all 14 seasons of this TV show because I thought maybe there's a really powerful sermon analogy in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: right. But yeah, I mean, I I think you, you when you're when you're inside, you know, it's it's tough because you know you you you're used to kind of being not at work when you're at home if you don't normally work from home. But you know, for us, you know, we've developed that skill of, you know, watching a TV show and texting as if we're in work mode. I think that's a, that's a top tip right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I think the thing is, what can you convince your boss is quote unquote for work? If you're saying someone has to keep a timesheet or keep track of that, what can you do to the betterment of this company?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the, the most important things is to consume as many calories as you possibly can. Sure, you need you need work energy. That's you need work energy. Like if you have, let's say, like uh, uh, like if you've got like a, a sleeve of Oreo. Sure. Yeah. Just go ahead and power through the whole sleeve.
2: Well, you've got a fuel for the day ahead, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean you're
0: gonna you're gonna feel nauseous partway through. You got to press through that. Well, and that brings us to one of my big work from home top tips is you have to accept you're going to eat the whole sleeve of Oreos. So you have to kind of make the bargain with yourself that you're only going to take two out of the drawer at a time so that you have to wait the well-worn path (laughs) from your computer to the drawer and convince yourself that, I mean, I'm kind of getting a little exercise in, so that like balances it out, Right. A lot of working from home is an, ef- is an effort in self hi- self-hypnosis. Absolutely. What can you convince yourself is actually kind of the healthy alternative. I mean, if I eat half a bag of <laughs> baked chips when I was going to eat half a bag of normal chips, I think we've really moved up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the little
1: things that make, a, make the difference.
0: Well, here here's the other real um work from home tip that I think our friends may need because you might have a a video conference or you might have some calls or something you gotta check on with people, and the real trick is acting super stressed out, so no one asks what you've been doing this morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Just uh, the more you can work in phrases like wall to wall, and yeah. everyone is demanding things of you, and just have that kind of harried. Yeah. Just staring into that lens, man.
1: I I hear this one a lot. We're totally slammed. Totally slammed. We're at capacity.
2: Yes, absolutely. Was I totally slammed by another character in the Mortal Kombat game I'm playing? Technically, yes, but still totally slammed. It was a fiduciary
0: fatality.
1: Am I (laughs) slamming Oreos? Yes, I'm slamming Oreos. I'm totally slammed right now.
2: I slammed the totality of them, thus making me totally slammed. There you
0: go. (laughs) So much of the business world is apparently people just torturing language to the point that it doesn't mean anything anymore. And work from home is really a chance to make that work for you. That's right. That brings us to maybe the, the best work from home tip that I can possibly imagine, which is don't be too productive too early.
2: Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, we're we're big fans of setting reasonable expectations.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You you know if you work real hard first thing in the morning, you can pull something.
2: Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, you, you got to pace yourself, man. You know, you you got to
1: work your way into it. Like, uh, here here's a here's another top tip. Like, you know, if you're working from home, you're you're bound to be on like a laptop. Now here's what you do is you set your laptop on a chair, just an ordinary, you know, like a kitchen chair. You set that next to the bathtub where you soak it. That way you can reach over at any point, type in a, you know, sure thing how I'll get right on it. And then you go back to soaking, and that's you know you're getting your your nice bath time in there. And people think you're you know, deeply well, involved. That, that seemed to totally. start
0: off with an assumption that everyone who's working from home is soaking in the tub at all times. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I just mean, didn't want that to go by. Just yeah. threw out there. So you take it to the tub where you're soaking, as that's you true, do, yeah,
1: like you do. Yeah, you know wh- wh- why wouldn't you if you had the chance to be in the tub all day? I mean, sure, you're going to get pruny, but, uh, you know, if if you keep eating the Oreos, that kind of pushes the flesh
0: from the other side.
1: That's (laughs) all the problem.
0: So if you out there in podcast land have ever received an encouraging email, gotten something from one of Glenn's (laughs) sermons, really been benefited by his, his great wisdom and deep preparation, know that that almost certainly involved the tub and a sleeve of Oreos. So... (laughs) that you're I declare emergency off emergency Emergency off. off maybe given that visual a very different kind of emergency on but that's for another day we are going to tell you fine folks about bridge box it comes out every month the first of the month right in your inbox quarantine or no we don't have to leave the house to create Bridgebox. That's one of our favorite things about it, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, and that's going to come directly to your inbox. You get sermons from Glenn and myself, some songs from some very, very talented friends. This month coming up, we are talking about moderation. We're actually going to talk about that in our first question here, but a lot of good stuff on moderation in the April 1st Bridgebox. We also want to remind you that we are still running our bridge service live streams on Facebook Live. Every Tuesday at 7.30 Central Time. Come on over and check us out. And if you miss it, you live in another part of the world, where that's during the middle of the night or whatnot, you can always check out the videos that are immediately archived as soon as it ends. You're going to get some sermons. You're going to get some songs. we got some fun stuff planned with some friends of ours helping us out. So come on over to Facebook.com slash TheBridgeChicago and help us out. Uh, due to being a uh, man with uh many, many people need his time when he went to church, we do want to point out that uh Lee got a phone call and actually had to uh had to run in the middle of the recording here. So we don't want you to think that he's just sitting there silently the rest of the time. That we <laughs> that I very passively aggressively cut all his answers out or anything. He, he had to go. So we're all good on that. But given that, we're gonna to jump to our first question, hang us all the way to the end I and some ways you can touch this. First question is our April bridge box topic. And this is the expanded version we talked about at the bridge. It says it's hard for me to do things in moderation. If I disagree with someone, I end up screaming at them. If I say nothing, I end up screaming at them or saying nothing. If I have coffee, it's 12 cups or none at all. How do I get to a place of balance? And Glenn, where do we start off with this concept that you're very, very familiar with?
1: (laughs) I am very, this, this is probably my number one, weakness uh, I, I we've touched on many of my weaknesses on this show this is this is the big one I moderation is not my thing I, I tend to kind of just all or nothing uh, so I, I know I know of which you speak uh, but I want us to start here because I think part of what gets us uh, in this uh, just kind of all-consuming thing is we're we're trying to say circumstances have driven me to this Uh, that i you know if i miss my flight i have every reason to be enraged and and you do there's no doubt about that there there's a basis in reality but i find that sometimes we're almost escaping reality when we get into these really high highs and these really low lows that we're we're, it's not really about reality. It's, it's about sort of you know, not being clued into what's really going on. So you know, let's say you, I'm going to start a dive because I ate too many Oreos in the bathtub just as a random example. Well, here, here's what's going to happen is something will come up to anger you or upset you or what have you. And you, there's some little secret part of you that says, oh, I get to be enraged about this. The diet starts tomorrow. So that's, you know, the, you talk about being a rageaholic or any of those things or, you know, going to whatever those extremes are. Sometimes that's, I'm, I'm sort of using this thing as a, as a way of eclipsing everything else that's going on with me. And that's an, that's an avoidance thing. We want to we make sure we're not doing that. Uh, So here's my question off of that, then, is what happens when you finally just stop? I I think sometimes we're running and running and running and running because we're deathly afraid of what happens if we just stop. Uh, if, if, if If we don't take everything to an extreme, if we don't wallow in every emotion, we don't freak out at every freak out, what happens if we just stop? And I think it's time to meditate on that answer and think about it and work it out. I think what you're going to find is nothing's going to happen. There is no disaster or there's no, you know, you're not changing events by uh, uh, going to these extremes on all of them. Uh, You you may be making life harder than you really need it to, to be on yourself when you just stop you're going to find peace you're going to find rest you're going to find balance you're going to find that moderation and that's what we want for you so that's you know the verse uh it, that we want to focus on there is be still and know i am god uh, you aren't god god is god he's able to handle this situation but you have to be still in order to see that final point on this and i'll kick it over to these other fellows But I think it's important for us to recognize that uh, a restlessness breeds more restlessness. That if you are around people who are restless, it makes you restless. Uh, You know, I'm the kind of person I pick up on body language a lot and – uh, I can be like in a restaurant or, or you know, in an airport or something and somebody's kind of pacing around frantically and it starts getting me totally nervous and keyed up. You just want to grab a person to sit down and chill, you know, whatever it is, because there's something infectious about that. You know, there's that restlessness, you know, you, you're, you end up getting that off of other people. So I think finding ways to get, out of those environments, finding the ways of separating yourself, drawing some boundaries, uh, you know, limiting what you're looking at in terms of your news app and all those kind of things in order to find that restful place within yourself. Yeah, it's a
0: really, really fantastic place to start us off with. And Jed, what role does time play in this? Because Glenn's talking about that, that getting a hold of yourself, that that kind of talking yourself down thing. I think that has a lot to do with with the way we experience our life from a time-wise situation, if that makes sense to you.
2: Yeah, no, it does. It does. I, I think that one of the things that can stress out me, certainly, and I think it's true for a lot of us, is trying to consume an entire day in one go, or an entire week in one go, an entire month. We're, we're trying to to look at what we expect this day or week or month, or year to look like, and and we're going to kind of try and deal with all of that right now, which is obviously a logistical impossibility, but it's also an incredibly stressful thing. The alternative, which is much healthier, and I think much more biblical, is to figure out how to just be in the moment that you're in, uh, which is something that we touched on in last week's episode as well. But in addition to being a lot less stressful, the funny thing about being in the moment that you're in is it it will actually help a lot with this whole moderation thing. Uh, I think not for everybody certainly, but for a lot of folks, I think a lot of behaviors that are immoderate start with not paying attention, with with not being present in the moment. You know, if you if you think about the coffee thing, if, you know the guy says, "I have you know I I either don't drink any coffee or I have twelve cups of it." I think for a lot of people, they consume whatever, but we'll use coffee in this example. They consume that coffee without really thinking about it, Um, without really asking, am I still enjoying this cup of coffee? Um, Does it still taste good? Do I I still even want any more? I mean, it's really easy to get into a place where, uh, whether it's coffee or something else, you keep going because... That's just your default mode. there There's more here to be done, so you just you just do more. But that generally doesn't lead to very good outcomes. Uh, you know so we've all led unique lives on this show and and one of the unique things in my life is I've overheard an awful lot of arguments. And so in this question, that says, you know, if I disagree with someone, I end up screaming at them or saying nothing. I can't tell you how many arguments I've overheard where one or both people are effectively just saying the same thing over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. And again, if we're paying attention in the moment, what we might say is, I've said my deal. This person has heard the words that I'm saying. They're either going with me on it or they're not, but I've said it, they've heard it. There's not more benefit to be had here. I've had as much coffee as I want to drink. There, There's not more benefit to be had in another uh, cup of coffee. I've said my piece in this argument. There's not more to be gotten out of me raising my voice and saying the same thing again. But... If we're not paying attention in the moment, we're going to miss that. We're going to wait for some external reality, like there is no more coffee, to come in and end it for us. We do so much better to be present in the moment and to pay attention and to know when the benefit and the enjoyment has stopped, and therefore we can and should move on.
0: I think it's a really great point. That's all fantastic stuff. And it really is that point of diminishing returns. And we talked about this at The Bridge. Um, we talked a lot about the idea of enough, you know, when, when do you call enough? When is it enough coffee? When is it enough of an argument, which I think is a really, a really cool way to look at that. And you kind of have to be proactive in those decisions. As Jed's pointing out here, um, you, you have to call enough in a lot of areas of life because sometimes the, the external circumstances are going to do it for you. You know, Starbucks will keep selling you coffee um you know yeah <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah you can't wait on them to do it you know that you know you can you will go to the you will go to the store and get the oreos for the drawer and convince yourself it'll last all week then two days later you will go to the store and get oreos for the snack drawer because you're working from home that's kind of the whole the whole thing about moderation i think we think of it as, as kind of jazz describing there as either denying ourselves something we really want that's kind of self control that's moderation or making yourself do something you don't want, you know, eat your spinach or whatever. But as we, we've talked about before, a moderate life, a balanced life might be another way to put that is a way to get overall more good stuff. Cups yeah. of coffee, eight to 12 are not going to be an enjoyable experience. Um, <laughs> you're just, you're just <laughs> doing that. So moderation did not deny you the smell and the taste of that first cup of coffee, if anything, it said we've gotten what we can out of this experience. Let's move on. And, you know, we're raised in an environment of of advertising, of consuming, of, you know, the whole point of YouTube is to get you to keep watching YouTube. Um, That's how they make their ads. The whole point of the infinite scroll on a website is so that you keep scrolling. You do have to to call enough for yourself. And it may not be a muscle that a lot of us have developed because we're saying the external circumstances aren't going to do it. I was at a, a sporting event once. I can't remember. I think it was a baseball game. And I kind of had something to do with the rest of my evening. And it had, it had been a pretty good game. It was the teams I was I was interested in. I was here in Chicago and I was just kind of day out. I looked at my watch during the seventh inning and said, well, I think I've gotten the uh, $7 out of the tickets. You can guess which Chicago <laughs> team it was uh, for this this event and I don't have to wait till the end. There's no like moral or constructive. It doesn't say anything about my character that I didn't stick it out. It's, you know, I got what I wanted out of this. It's enough. I'm moving on. It's a weirdly empowering thing for you to decide that I want to live a balanced life and I'm calling enough is enough on this. That that that's a very good muscle to get working out and applies to things large and small. Okay, we am going to move on to our second question. It comes in anonymously, and it says, The future is so uncertain. I guess it's always uncertain, but it seems more uncertain than ever. How do I stay encouraged about the future? And Glenn, where would we kick off with this? Well,
1: I, I know what you mean. I mean, there's, there's so many unpredictable things happen to us. We begin to think, you know, there's nothing we can predict about the future. I, I get the logic behind that but uh the the good news is that uh cause and effect are still in control uh they're they're still uh, happening uh so that means it, there are a lot of things we can be sure of about the future based on what we're doing now so if you are getting closer to God now you can bet that your future will have more balance in it, you'll have more peace, you'll be a more centered person, uh, you'll be a more fulfilled person, and so forth. You say, well, what if something goes bad in the future to sort of counteract that? Well, th- that's the whole point. That's how we front load that. We, we take the things we can control and work them towards the things we can't control. We, we deal with the certainties of life uh, and, and manage those towards the uncertainties. So I think I, I think sometimes we get stuck in this mentality of just who's to say and no one knows, man, and what all. It's just a mystery, dude. And I think that gives – part of the reason why we're doing that is to give ourselves permission to sort of not do anything and, and not commit to things and not take bold chances and all those kind of things. But, you know, when we need a bit of certainty about what comes next – we're stuck in that who's to say kind of mentality, and that, that's when the bill comes due. There, if you look at uh, the Apostle Paul and what he says uh, in, in writing the New Testament, over and over and over again, he uses the phrase, I am convinced. Uh, th- this is a man who's convinced of the stuff that he uh, believed in, the, the stuff he was saying, it's good for you to be convinced. Uh, You can be convinced that God loves you now and he will love you later, that if you get closer to him, your life will improve, Uh, that if you dedicate yourself to helping others, that you'll have a fulfillment uh, and you'll have a bond with people. Uh, Those things are certain. Those things will happen. There's going to be a lot of variables that we can't control within that, but uh, we do know that cause and effect will work uh, for you. Final thought on that is, if we look at that by, you know, again, drawing the line between what we control and what we can't control, uh, part of what we're looking for uh, is that serenity for things that we can't control. Uh, you may have heard the, of the serenity prayer, but that's a lot of what that's about, is knowing what we can control, being aware of that and dealing with that, and then being aware of what we can't control and seeking some serenity for that. The main thing that you can control is your inner life. Uh, so much of this um, uh, anxiety that we struggle with is we're looking at external forces and saying, I can't control any of that. I'm freaking out. I'm overloaded. I'm overwhelmed, all of that. But we can control our internal life. Now, look, I'm, I'm making this sound simple. You might get to a point where you say, look, you know, a lot's going wrong. It makes no sense to say I could just be pretending in my mind that I'm at a carnival eating cotton candy. You know, this is not, this is not how life works. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize that you can find that serenity. You can find that peace. God can give that to you in a supernatural way despite your circumstances. And it's important to take control of those things you can control, to take control of your thought process, the way you, that you deal with things internally. You are right now 100% in control of your thoughts. You can take those any way that you want. You can process these things and work through them any kind of way. And we're here to help you through that. Write us in some more questions. Give us a chance to continue to help you. That's what we're here for.
0: That's a really, really cool place to start off. And Jed? I love what what Glenn's saying about cause and effect because I think uh, the future, when we get worried about it, is one of those things where we kind of see time as something that we don't have any cause and effect, and we're just caught in this stream of it. How do we how do we deal with that?
2: That's a great question. It's worth looking at the story of a friend of ours. We mentioned this before, and um, if you want to to know a bit more, you can go and check out a Bridge Loud episode that we did with our buddy. But um, A little while back, uh, we have a friend who is a great guy and, and does some really good minister stuff, and he is a permanent legal resident of the United States. He always has been. But in the midst of our current political climate, uh, he was actually placed in ICE detention uh, wrongly, uh, but for months and months and months. And it goes to your question because, of course, that is kind of as uncertain of a question as you could possibly get, right, where... I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what will happen to me. Um, everything is topsy-turvy. You know, everything is upside down now. And there's no telling how long this will go on or well this, when this will end. So I was talking with my friend about this and kind of what what got you through that? I mean, obviously, I know your faith is a big part of that. But what got you through that and kind of what what did you learn out of that? And the thing that he said that has really stuck with me, and I, I want to pass it along to you because I, I think it really, really relates to your question is the difference between serving time and using time. And that these are two very, very different things that, you know, when you think about you, you get a literal prison sentence and people talk about serving time. There's just this, this chunk of your life that uh, you don't get to be free in and we've, we've got you confined. And that's just what it is. You're serving time. But of course that's, not the only way to look at it. Um, and what my friend discovered and described is that you wake up every day. You may be in a detention facility rather than your home, but you have a choice about what you do in that day. Um, that choice begins with, just like Glenn is saying, your internal thoughts, your, your internal landscape, your internal reality. But that also informs what you choose to do with yourself. Um, you can, you can choose to sit and and feel bad about the situation that you're in, which to be clear, no one would fault you for, uh, if you're going through something really rough, um, and, and year in a period of just kind of feeling bad about it, that that makes sense. But you can also choose to use that time to better yourself, to better your situation. That, that could be any number of things. That's I want to, you know, know the Bible better. So I'm going to spend some time getting into the word. That could be for plenty of folks that we work with, I'm I'm going to be working on my GED and, and working on my education. Uh, that could be I'm going to write letters uh, to people that I care about. As a reminder Uh, A number of Paul's epistles, the the things that are in the New Testament, were written when he was in prison, uh, when he would wake up in the morning and have a choice between serving time and doing, between serving time and using time. Uh, Another way to look at this exact same thing is the difference between passive and active. Is life happening to you or are you actively deciding what you're going to make of your life one day at a time with whatever decisions you do have before you? In times of uncertainty, a big part of what happens is we have less control over our external circumstances than we normally do. And we really feel that, and that really messes with our heads. But we've never lost all control over our external circumstances. If you're on the green side of the grass you still have some degree of control over your external circumstances. And as Glenn points out, you have a lot of control over your internal reality and your internal landscape. And using time is about taking a hold of that, not being passive, not letting life happen to you, but deciding I'm going to take this day and I'm going to do something good with it. I'm going to do something positive with it. I'm going to do something productive with it. Um, I think if we get in the habit of doing that, that gets us to a place of hope. It also gets us... uh, which is really key to know to the other side of that uncertainty experientially way faster than sitting and feeling bad. Um, Time never moves more slowly than when we're just sitting and feeling bad. However understandable of a choice that may be when we're engaged and we're actively happening to life and we're busy Time the experience of it goes by a heck of a lot quicker as we get to that time where life is less constrained and a bit less uncertain.
0: I think that's absolutely right. It kind of goes to something we were talking about on the last show about um, kind of that with people feeling, feeling trapped in that quarantine, which Jed was uh, giving us the the bit of advice from his, his uh, therapist friend. If you can't be happy, be productive. Um, that's it's, in a lot of ways. Some of us are grew up there. It's a very old country attitude of, you know, maybe everything is coming apart at the seams, but the grass isn't going to cut itself. So, better to be cutting the grass while waiting for oblivion than just sitting here waiting for oblivion. Um, it's a very farmer uh, ethic. Now that I now that I say it, um, <laughs> but I think that you know Jesus's advice about the future is kind of as Jed alluded to there. Don't try to take it more than one day at a time, and I think there is implicit in that the knowledge that that will just short-circuit your brain, man. You are not, we are, we, you know, God, you may have heard it said, and it's true Is outside of time. We are very much not. We are utterly temporal beings and our perception of time is married to the way we perceive everything. You're not. And I think you pointed out in your question, you know, the the I guess the future is always uncertain, but it seems more uncertain than ever. I was listening to someone, uh, and as an English professor give a lecture about the, the kind of the insane idea, you've probably heard it put this way, they say it a lot in, in sports, of something becoming increasingly inevitable. They say, well, it was, it was inevitable that this team was gonna win, you know, the, the win the league, but it's become increasingly inevitable. The point this person was making was that's such a weird hiccup of the English language because inevitable is a, is a fact, is a statement. If something is inevitable it can't be evaded. You can't be more inevitable than you were. You know, th- if something is uncertain, that is its state. It is not certain. But you know, with that idea of ev- maybe what you mean is everything feels uncertain is we're kind of pointed here. There were things I thought were certain and now it's being laid bare that they're not as certain as I thought. And that's a totally understandable thing to feel overwhelmed by. Um, you know if is if, if up as much as i I got up and went to this place to work and now I stay at home or this place was always open and now it's not open there's a lot of uns- uncertainties stacking up, but as these guys are pointing pointing out it it makes sense in that too, and this is this uh is gonna sound real churchy for which I apologize it also happens to be true it it makes sense to focus on what is certain, and here's the thing: the only things that are certain are today things really. There are probabilities of things that are going to happen tomorrow, but you can't have a certainty of a thing that's going to happen tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I think it's important and it's really interesting that Jesus in that verse, it's not the most encouraging verse because he doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll be great. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And a, a lot of these things we're talking about anxiety we're talking about these kind of things building up you dealing with the actual problems that are in front of you today is going to be more emotionally manageable and more helpful than stacking up the uh, possible problems that might come after that and after that and after that. And it's going to lead to a lot more happiness in general. We're going to move to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, Sometimes fear comes on me all of a sudden. I feel shocked by it and overwhelmed. When that happens, I want to just disconnect and ignore reality but i know that's not healthy i also know i can't give into the fear so what do i do and Glenn, where do we kick off
1: well i, I totally get uh, what you're saying here cuz you know to be honest you know in, in our line of work you know we we flirt with being overloaded a lot and when you get to that point where it's just you know you're you're kind of uh, near the end of your capacity there and then something big kind of happens you feel overwhelmed you feel like okay I, I did not have bandwidth for this today and i can see now i shouldn't have uh, you know uh, left myself so little uh, reserve to deal with and when you get to that point of feeling overwhelmed every little thing that happens after that is just another blow to that you just feel like you're back on your heels and it's all happening to you and is if you're just reacting to things, you're not being proactive the way we talked about last week. Uh, so, you know, we want to get out of overwhelmed. That's important. Uh, God wants you to be in a place where you're, where you're not overwhelmed. Uh, but I think the thing about being overwhelmed is w- the thing that is overwhelming us, we think, is the latest uh, straw that just broke this camel's back. So we tend to focus on that thing and say, that thing is overwhelming me. And, and it is in a sense that it's, it is the straw that's breaking the camel's back. But it's important to look at that being overwhelmed is almost certainly about other things besides this. In other words, it's, uh, it's the rest of the burden that's, that's on that camel. Uh, we need to look at what those things are and, and you know start with what's the big stuff. And work our way down to the little things that just uh, set us over the top. Let's also look at uh, it, it, this is going to be, you know, maybe a hard one for us to get our minds around. But the good life—a good life that we all want, whatever that is. No, none of us is quite sure what the good life is, but we we have vague ideas. The good life isn't about having no problems. You think, you know, if I had a problem-free life, that'd be the good life. That's just kind of not true. It doesn't really work that way. There's, We have problems. We have challenges. They come upon us. We rise up to those challenges. We work muscles we never had before. We find the creativity we never found before. We're solving problems in unique ways, and those unique ways will apply to uh, a, a situation where things aren't on fire and going crazy so that you have a new strength that enriches the rest of your life and you can kind of look yourself in the mirror and say hey I rose up to that challenge so you feel better about yourself in a way that wouldn't happen unless there was that challenge there so we have this sense of you know I, my life would be great if it, it wasn't for all these things You know, I, I, I think I'd be a perfect Christian if it wasn't for all these people you know, you, you can get into these these ways of thinking, but you know, it's that old saying: a, a smooth sea's never made a good sailor. And I, I think it applies to to these kinds of situations. The truth is, nothing gets better without facing problems. Uh, that's how things. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get better. Uh, I think when we look at the the, the New Testament, uh, as Jeb was pointing out. Uh, those people in, in that were in that new testament period the 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 writings that we have from them that are in the new testament uh these people thought uh, i'm not going to make it and a lot of them did not make it uh and i think they had reason to believe that uh, Christianity itself wasn't going to make it you know that just there is so much coming against this how could it ever possibly survive there's no internet there's no uh, printing press. <laughs> there's there's no way of of just putting the word out there. There's no way of, of of spreading this except for just huddling in little groups, in little houses, in little you know out of the way places. And uh, this is what Paul says in Second Corinthians four, uh, eight and nine. He says we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed we are perplexed i understand perplexed we are perplexed but not in despair we are persecuted but we are not abandoned we are struck down but not destroyed if you can if you can get your mind around what or sort of boil down what that's really saying is he's saying it's dire it's not good it's bad here but within that, we're not crushed. We're not, God has not abandoned us. We're not in despair. We're finding a way to carry on. And they found a way to pass that message to the next believer. That next believer lived long enough to pass it along to somebody else. Even if they were arrested or something, they were able to pass that on. Somebody else passed it on to somebody else. They passed it all the way to me, and we're trying to pass this on to you now nothing stopped that thing from happening from you getting this message of hope. So you are going to receive this and you are going to pass it on because even though you feel struck down in some of the circumstances you're dealing with, you are not destroyed. You are not abandoned. You are not left alone. We're here with you. We love you.
0: Amen. That is all exceptionally true. And Jed, where would we take it from there?
2: I agree with everything Glenn said, and that's awesome stuff. Let's pull the camera back a little bit and take a look at kind of three separate cases of of uh, fear and, and feeling overwhelmed because they're – the funny thing about the English language is we can use one word to describe very, very, very different circumstances. And so uh, depending on what you're dealing with, we want to kind of look at some different plans of action. Uh, the first is – Maybe you're leading, at least in a season, a, a bit of a high stress life, and just like Glenn is saying, you have days or weeks or periods where there's just there's the straw that breaks the camel's back, and it's and it's one thing uh, too many, and now we're we're really overloaded and we're we're feeling overwhelmed and feeling kind of kind of cruddy, uh, and he gave some great advice on dealing with that and and how to look at that. The next thing that that can be going on is more of a thing where, um, it's not so much that we're leading kind of a high stress life and, and periodically it, it really just is too much is there is at least an area of our life that we are well and truly afraid of. Um, there's a thing that is really, really messing with us that we feel really, really concerned about and we need to get some peace about that thing. And we're not sure how to do that, um, And certainly if you're in a period like that in your life right now today, I think you come by that very, very honestly. Um, That's a great time to uh, find a counselor, to find a therapist, uh, and we would love to help you do that. Um, If you're not sure how to begin that journey, if you're not sure how to find that person, we'd love to help you with that. But having a person that you can talk to about your situation, that you can talk to about your life, that you can talk to about the things that you're afraid of. Um, is going to be a very, very big part of how we move forward on this stuff. Um, That's going to include probably figuring out how to think about our situation differently that's going to include probably um looking at what aspects of our situation we do have some control over and what decisions might make sense and it's also going to include some coping mechanisms of you know how do we deal with the the fear that is that's still left over and and the the anxious thoughts that are still there but that's that's really really good stuff again that ideally we would have not just another person to talk about, but another person who who is trained and equipped to to deal with those situations. That would be a a really good thing. We want to encourage you to look at that. Then the third case um, is where, and again, we use different words to describe these things, but where the fear or the anxiety has become a problem unto itself. Uh, It's not so much that we have a high stress life that we frequently find overwhelming, although that may be true. And it's not so much that there is an area or two of our lives that we feel really just afraid and worried about, although that may be true. It is more that anxiety and fear has kind of taken over our life, um, that that anxiety is just a constant that we can never get away from, um, that it it is making our decisions for us. And maybe most importantly, it's just sucking all of the joy out of our life. Um, that's kind of a, a third case, which again, is different than the first two. It would be easy to, to kind of lump these together, but they're, they're all a little bit different. And if that's where you're at, where again, there's just that drone of anxiety and it's it just, it it's sucking all the joy out of your life. We want to encourage you to actually talk with your doctor, um, with here in the U S we would refer to a GP, a general practitioner. Um, may use a different phrase where you are, but, but to talk with your doctor about that. Um, there, there may be some, some medical things that would make sense on that. It may part of, of dealing with that may be talking to a counselor or a therapist, but that's a good time to talk with your doctor, um, and, and to get in there and, and get some, some qualified medical advice about that. Now, to be clear, talking with the Lord and letting prayer and letting, um, Bible reading, uh, and fellowship with other Christians be a part of it is good on all three of these cases. Whether you're dealing with just high stress or some big picture things you feel really afraid about or um, kind of a clinical level of anxiety, again, yes, prayer should be a part of all three of those. The Bible should be a part of all three of those. Good Christian Fellowship should be a part of all three of those. But those should not be the only parts of how we deal with those. Um, Particularly with cases two and three, there are people who are trained and equipped to help with those. And we want to get that help. Uh, God wants that help for you. We want that help for you. Um... You might have heard, and we want to cancel it right now, that in some way there's something unchristian about reaching out uh, and 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 getting the help, whether that's therapy or medication or or a combination thereof. Nothing could be further from the truth. God wants you to get that help. That's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. We want you to get that help. So again, if you're not sure where to begin on that journey, reach out. We'd love to help you get connected with those resources in your life.
0: That is absolutely right. Say that podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us. And deal with that offline i i love everything these these guys have said about this this was actually one of our uh bridge live stream service topics a couple of weeks ago and i got doing some reading about that and i looked at the the phrase that comes up in the new testament over and over again so but five or six times take heart um jesus says that to people and a couple times he says it to people heals he says it to bartimaeus when he heals him of his he gives him the sight he says it to a paralyzed man, and he says it to uh, the woman who had been bleeding for uh, over a decade. And I, it's a such a beautiful translation of the the sentiment of just of something about courage, something about encouragement of take heart. But it's actually used in a couple of different places. Actually, the Bartimaeus story in Mark uh, four, I think it is. Um, in the NIV translates it as "cheer up." Um, there, uh, the Bartimaeus is yelling out. And Jesus tells the disciples, bring him to me. And they say, cheer up. He's going to see you. Um. And, but the interesting thing that kind of stretched all those different stories to me was these are people who were staring at their big, scary problem head on. Like they all had legitimate things to be scared of. If you were a, a quadriplegic in a time before wheelchairs and before uh, spinal fusion surgery, you had to live on you know, the charity of others. That was a very, very terrifying life. The woman who had been, who had been bleeding for years, had a problem that medical science could not solve that had bankrupted her. And she was clearly trying. She reaches out and grabs Jesus's cloak. Um, Bartimaeus is literally sitting there on the street yelling for Jesus to help him. So I think I say that because I understand your impulse of either, you know, you talk about either give in to the fear or just ignore the fear. And both are bad and both are not going to help in general, because there are things to be scared of your, you know, there's, there's a, a tiny little caveman in you who thinks that something is going to eat him. And that is your adrenal glands releasing something. When, you know, when you almost step off the curb and you hear a car honk, that is fear helping you out. Um, we don't want to live by fear, but it's certainly, we don't want to condemn it either. I think we can go too far that way in Christian stuff. And, Um, again, our current situation, you, you can tell how uh, people doing a lot of posturing about, we don't live by fear has led to some really, um, unhelpful and stupid uh, decisions being made by people. Um, so we don't want to condemn feeling fear because it's a feeling you say, you know, sometimes fear comes on me all of a sudden, that's how it works. you know, it's, it's a shot. It's, it's a feeling as we often talk about on the show, don't. Don't beat up on yourself for feeling a feeling because they just come on you. You don't, you don't choose them. You get to choose what you do with it once you're there. Um, and I think take heart and take courage is a really good example of that because it's there to be taken. It is, you know, Jesus is offering it in those places. He talks about He also talks about that same phrase in Greek. You can go look at that at Bible hub. Um, when Jesus comes up, both in Mark and Matthew, when Jesus is walking on the water, you know, they, they, they think he's a ghost, which I don't think there's enough about that in the new Testament. I want, I want interviews afterwards with, so you went right to yep. ghost, huh? Like you've been yeah. hanging out with this guy and he heals people and water to wine. And you saw someone what well, you're like, probably a ghost. I mean, that's probably what I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but that's really neither here nor there. Just one of my personal uh, things I'll be asking on that great getting up morning. But, and, but Jesus calls out to him, take courage. It is I that's, he it's a thing he says when he is on the situation and is fixing it and i think that's a very helpful thing you know if you think about the the mathematical equation of you smaller than thing you are scared of but jesus greater than that thing it's a bit it's a bit reductionist it's maybe kind of a bit the the meme your aunt would share on facebook but i think there's there's something to that you know it's been said in a lot of sermons that when when uh when god and jesus in the bible say don't be afraid they give reasons you know it's do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do Take courage. It is I. This It makes sense to feel fear. So we need to find something that makes sense to get rid of that fear. And it's ultimately going to come down to God has your back. God has control. Now, as Jed points out, a big part of getting to that might be getting on some medication, maybe finding someone to talk to. And again, anyone who naysays that is goes right on the pay no mind list. We don't listen to that person about anything because that's utter insanity. No, nope. yeah, that that is absolutely right out. So, doing those things to feel the fear, um, to deal with that totally makes sense. I think again, the the main thing I want to put a pin in and really kill. Oh, by the way, is that because you feel fear means that there's something out of whack with you. You know, that I think we get really moralizing about fear. You know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's insane. If you asked me, if you gave me the choice, being put, being put in a room with snakes or the existential abstract concept of fear, I would not choose the snakes because snakes are scarier than fear. Um, You have real things in your life. You have real emotions. We need to push through and deal with those to get to this point of peace. As he said, about not running away and not letting it define our reality. All right, if you have a question for us, set podcast at gmail.com, the You can also send us a message at facebook.com/slash the which is where you will find our bridge live stream every Tuesday 7:30 p.m. Central Time. Check us out on that retail song this week. Jed mentioned our sister program, the bridge loud, which by the way, he, the interview he referred to is from January of this year, the bridge loud 304 titled unfair. If you want to check that out, this is another one of our favorite bridge loud songs called love lifted me. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Say
1: that top tip. You can take your Oreo game to the next level by filling your bathtub. with milk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no.
3: deep inside